0: morning again. Glad to be here with you all. Welcome to our visitors, those watching. We're glad that you've joined us today. Uh, if you're just joining us here, if, you're, if you are visiting you haven't been here for our series, um, just to let you know, we are in 1 Samuel and we're going to be in 1 Samuel this morning. But to recap a little bit about what we're doing, what we're talking about, and what we've been kind of going through is kind of looking at 1 Samuel as this Old Testament book with a lot of narrative-driven stories A lot of people moving around and doing things that you talk about in VBS. Uh, But we're trying to invite these stories into our day today and asking ourselves the question, do these stories still communicate to me in 2022? Do they still bring truth to my life? And I believe our answer so far has been yes, hopefully. Uh, But last week, just to remind you, we were in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and a couple of things that we talked about was to be mindful of our blind spots in our lives. To be mindful of the things that we aren't seeing so that we can see clearly what God is calling us to do. And we talked about how that can be difficult at times. How can I see what I don't already see, right? How can I be aware of the things that I'm blind to if I'm blind to them, right? And we talked about spotting it, right? If you spot it, you got it. So a lot of times we're able to see other people and see their flaws and say, oh, maybe... I suffer from that as well. Maybe I'm a little passive-aggressive. Maybe I'm a little bit narcissistic. Whatever it might be, those other things that we see illuminate our own inadequacies. And, grow, and as we illuminate those things, I believe we grow closer to God. The second thing that we talked about was how it's not impossible to grow closer to God today. Right? We talked about the differences between Hophni and Phinehas and Samuel, both growing up kind of under the tutelage of Eli, but two radically different stories. Right, but again and again throughout 1 Samuel chapter 2, we see this kind of notation here. The boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. The the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. And we're going to see that same sentiment today in chapter 3. But I just think there's such encouragement there to say, you know what? If Samuel can do it, I can do it. Even though we're removed thousands of years later, it's still possible for us to grow closer to God today. So if you haven't already, be open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. That's where we're going to be for the majority of our time today. But as you're turning there, I want to talk a little bit about music, okay? A lot of us in here could probably say we like music or at least kind of have our favorite songs or artists. I want you to think of some of your favorite songs and some of your favorite artists right now, Okay. Over the years, you know, this changes, obviously, as a kid, you don't often, you know, have the same taste you do as an adult. Sometimes you do. Uh, uh, For me, I remember growing up, and one of my favorite things to do, my dad actually had like satellite radio, early, early satellite radio, and it would say the listing of whoever was playing. So my game I would always play was, because we didn't have like phones or things to do in the car, it was so boring. Uh... I would try to memorize as many songs and artists as I possibly can, and I would try to, like, pick up on, okay, this is the Allman Brothers, this is Tom Petty, things like that, where I could identify other songs that I might not have heard before. And so in those car rides, I was listening to my dad's music, right? A lot of, like I said, Allman Brothers, Tom Petty, those are still my guys to this day. I could always, always put on those 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 groups. Bob Seger, I'm thinking of all these classic rock icons that I still kind of love and make my kids listen to today. But as I kind of ushered into my you know middle school, high school phase, I just wanted to listen to whatever my sister was listening to because she was older and cooler than me. And so whatever she brought home, I would listen to, right? There was a lot of pop punk, a lot of Usher in our house, uh, A a wide range there, Uh, but a lot of different things, you know, these different things that were kind of being played in her room that I actually had to listen to as well. It, It ended up liking myself and kind of ushering into this different part of my life where I'm a father, a lot of Disney princesses are being played in the car. I have a Princess Jams playlist that I still, to this day, I love those songs. I still love listening to Mulan and Frozen and all Moana. Like, there's some good music in there. But there's like this overarching thing, and and what I see a lot of times is that, especially in the younger kids, maybe more so than adults, when you hear your favorite song, something happens, right? We were at the father-daughter dance, and the moment time, we don't talk about Bruno came on. If you haven't heard Bruno yet, it's a good song, okay? But the moment that song came on, every single girl ran to the dance floor, and it was just party, Okay? So I want you to think of your favorite songs, and I want you to specifically think about what happens to your brain when you hear your favorite song or you hear your favorite artist. Okay? And Chuck, I didn't tell you this before, but I have a little bit of audio on this video. Could you put the uh, PC audio on for everybody to hear? I have this video. It was, it was pretty viral here a couple years ago. You've probably already seen it, but this is something that I kind of think experiences maybe more in kids than it does in adults, but uh, see if you have a similar experience as you hear your first favorite song as well. I love to so. baby shirt. Sure. Baby chair. Explicit isn't included with Prime, but is available with Amazon Music. I love to so. play baby shirt. I love to play baby sure. said so. baby, sure. baby shark. Sure, baby. Hold back. I Say Anything on Amazon Music. Alexa! Alexa, baby, baby shark. Here's a sample of Baby Shark by Johnny Only on Amazon Music. That's <laughs> think big one? No, Alexa. Okay, Alexa, Alexa, play Baby Shark. Babe Shark by Pink Flung starting now on Amazon Music. So you get the idea. Uh, I love that video, that's amazing. Um, that used to have it like, she could not express Alexa, please, play Baby Shark, and eventually she gets to it, and the face that she makes when the, the Alexa finally understands her is just like one of the most joyful faces I've ever seen, right? And she starts to dance along to it, she's doing all the hand motions to it, and I know a lot of us parents probably hate that song. Um, I, luckily, my kids were beyond Baby Shark when it first came out, um, but man, I just love to see her face light up when that song comes on, okay? And maybe as adults, we don't have the same experience where, where we're actually lighting up and doing all the dance mo- motions and stuff. Maybe you do, but I want you to have that in your mind this morning because as I read 1 Samuel 3, this for some reason was in my mind. Okay, so as we go, I want you to have maybe your experience, this little girl's experience in your mind as we go through 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning. So I want us to see actually this chapter as broken down into two separate halves. Okay, so we have the, ver- the first verse, or excuse me, verses 1 through 10, and the second half is kind of a telling of a different story. So we're going to start here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls, you say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord call, came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Now I want to make a couple notes here. Uh, at the very beginning of chapter 3, we have this phrase, right, that in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And I have to ask myself, I wonder why this is. And I think we have our answer very clearly stated. We've talked about Eli for the, fa- the, for, for the first two chapters. And there seems to be a kind of flaw in his leadership style, right? Hophni and Phinehas are not good examples. They're not carrying out the mission they're supposed to be doing. They're actually doing the exact opposite. They're desecrating the Lord's house. They're sleeping with the women at the, at, the, at the house of the Lord, not a good example. Eli's going around and he's saying to Hannah, who's pouring her soul out to the Lord, he's saying, put away your wine. Get out of here, right? You're, you must be drunk. He can't see sincere worship. He's unable to lead. He's unable to see someone who's actually pouring themselves out to God. And I think really in chapter 3, verse 2, we get a very clear indication of what's actually going on in the life of Eli. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. We talked about this spiritual blindness last week. It's kind of affecting his physical person as well. right? And I'm not trying to shame Eli for getting old and losing his sight, but I think what we're supposed to see as readers is that this is kind of the long-term arc of Eli's leadership style, right? He's been blind for a very long time to the goings-on in his own house. Blind not necessarily in a way that he can't physically see, but blind to actually seeing what's taking place. This is kind of an indication of Eli's leadership. He is blind, and he cannot see. And so we have this other uh, reference to this lamp of God, maybe uh, kind of talking about very specifically how this almost torch passing is taking place, right? The lamp of God here in verse 3, the lamp of God has not yet gone out yet, and Samuel is lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. We have this idea where we have this blind leader and this lamp is being lit, and it's not out just yet, but it's going out, and God is going to do an incredible work in Samuel. Samuel. And so in this chapter, three times we have God speaking to Samuel and Samuel hearing and going to Eli. Why? Right? You could say, well, um, it's very obvious. He, he had never experienced this before. But I think there's also this sense that maybe this is frequent, right? This blind leader is often calling on the aid of Samuel where he needs his help in some way. So he goes to him as he probably has at different times in the night before. Here I am. You called me. You, you rang. Eli, I'm here to help you. And so the very first time Eli says, no, I did not call you, Uh, go back to bed. But I find this second one very interesting. If you have your Bibles and looking in verse six, again, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And Eli responds, my son, I did not call you, go back and lie down. You see, there's this the second time, there's this sense of kinship between the two. There's a sense that this is my son. I care deeply. There's something going on here. This is unusual behavior. But on the third time, we see that Eli r- recognizes what's going on. And the, re- the whole reason why I wanted to think or have you start thinking about your favorite songs and music and show that video is because I think there's a song playing in the back of Eli's mind here. Right, The first time that Samuel comes to him and he says, here I am, you called me. He says, go back to bed. And the second time, something kind of triggers within Eli's mind that I think is the reason why he responds the way he does the third time. It's like there's this faint song playing in the back of his mind. Oh, I know what's going on. Even though I'm, I'm physically blind, even though I've been a blind leader for a very long time, the song is still playing in the back of my mind. And then the third time, when Samuel returns, he knows this is God speaking. This is the Lord speaking, right? In response to this, he, he knows the familiar song, the faint whispers of something he knew very clear maybe a long, long time ago. And this is his response. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's almost like he knows the words of the song, Right? I'm terrible at remembering words. I've sung some of these songs my entire life on Sunday mornings, and I still find myself humming through because I'm just not so sure what the words are. But I can see Eli in this moment, he's remembering something from a very long time ago. And so he says to Samuel, say this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, saying, Samuel, Samuel. And before we go any further, I I, I want to make something clear. You might have picked up on this from our very first week, something about Samuel, right? It says this in in, in verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And you might be remembering, hey, Jimmy, you said something about that last week. And if you're saying that, good job, because that's exactly the phrasing that this, this, uh, the text says about Eli's scoundrel of sons, right, in verse 12 of chapter 2. Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had, not, they had no regard for the Lord. And we talked last week about how the literal translation of that is they did not know the Lord. But I want to pause for a second because there's a very clear distinction between Hophni and Phinehas and Samuel throughout 1 Samuel so far. And so when we get to this point, we're saying, hey, wait a second. Are you saying they're in the same boat? No, they're not in the same boat. And I think the NIV here translates this very well by saying in verse 12 that the sons, the scoundrels, Hophni and Phinehas, not only did they not know the Lord, they had no regard, they had no interest in knowing the Lord. I think what we have here for for Samuel in verse 7 is that Samuel did not know the Lord because he had not been revealed to him yet. Right? He has been being led by this kind of blind leader along the way. He's been serving under the tutelage of this man who's unable to do what God has called him to do. But he doesn't know God yet. He still worships God. He still serves God's house. But he does not yet know God in a communal sense, right? So I just wanted to make that distinction before we go any further. He doesn't know him in a communal sense. But in verse 10 it says this, The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak. For your servant is listening. So it seems that despite the shortcomings of Eli as a leader, despite the shortcomings of Samuel, might not knowing the Lord on a communal level, he still takes the advice from his leader, Eli. This kind of person who has fallen short, but still knows the song that the Lord is singing, maybe in his heart a long time ago. He takes his advice and he enters into this relationship with God, and he calls himself a servant. Speak for your servant is listening. Although he does not know God yet, he's about to. And he heeds the advice from Eli. So that's the first part of chapter three. And now we move kind of into the second part, which is not so great for Eli. Okay? So let's continue reading here. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Don't like that. Okay? Next week, Pat's going to talk about what that actually is. But he's going uh, to do something that whoever hears about it, their ears are going to tingle. At that time, I'll carry out against Eli everything I spoke about his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Samuel answered, Here I am. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrificing or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and would open the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called out to him and said, Samuel, my son, remember that. Samuel answered, here I am. What is it that he has said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you be ever so severely if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall on the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was arrest, was attested, not arrested, attested as the prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his work. So you look at these two different uh, parts here, right? Despite the blindness, uh, Samuel accepts this word from the Lord. Despite this leadership that he's under, he re- he receives the word from God. And chapter three has two very very interesting bookends. Okay, remind just to remind you, the very first chapter, the, the the upper portion here. The boy Samuel before ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the words of the Lord were rare. They were not many visions. And the very last is, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. We have two very similar start to end. What's the main difference? It's our guy, Eli, right? And this chapter is kind of more about what's going to happen to Eli, but we see at the very beginning, we have this man, Eli, that is kind of overseeing Samuel. At the very end, we have Samuel on his own feet, and guess what the Lord is doing? He continued to appear. At Shiloh, And then he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. At the very, very beginning, there is no word, there are no visions. At the very end, when Eli is kind of out of the picture, kind of, the Lord appears and the Lord speaks through Samuel. Two very different things. Not many good things are happening here for Eli, right? But before we bury him kind of and say he was a bad leader, he's a blind leader, like we kind of had to... The more that we talk bad about Eli, the more I think a mirror starts to appear in front of our faces, right? The more that we see the shortcomings of Eli, the more that we should see our own shortcomings as well. And maybe you've never been through recovery, but I'm sure that you have met somebody who has gone through the 12 steps at some point or some form of the 12 steps. And this is one of the very first steps that they have to go through. They have to admit that they're powerless to whatever it is they're suffering from, whatever addiction they're kind of caught up in. Admit, I am powerless to this. And when I read the second part of First Samuel chapter three, I have this overwhelming sense that this is where Eli ends up. right? For a long time he served in the house of the Lord. For a long time, the things that were going on around him, he became blind to. It even says here the things that Eli knew about, but he was able to restrain, he was unable to restrain his children. Right? At the very end of, of chapter 2, this prophet come, spe- comes and speaks to Eli and says very bad things are going to happen to your family. They're going to be cut down in the prime of their lives and nothing really good is going to come from you. And then we have this scene moving forward where Samuel gets this word from God. It's no longer this prophet that speaks to Eli, but it's this boy that's been under his care for a very long time, right? And Samuel, he goes to him, for whatever it might be, and this time he gets this vision from the Lord. And I just want you to imagine Samuel in this this moment, right? In verse 15, Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Pause for a second and just think about the personal relationships that are at stake here. Imagine this young boy, Samuel, who's referred to by Eli as his son. They have this relationship that I'm sure that's gone on for years, this very familial relationship. And now the Lord speaks to Samuel, and it's nothing good for the house of Eli. That's devastating. I would be afraid if I was Samuel as well. This person you've grown up, this person you've probably learned a lot from, something bad's going to happen to him. But it's interesting the way that um, Eli responds to Samuel, right? In verse 17, or in verse 16, but Eli called and said, Samuel, my son. You feel that kind of kindred, because he knows, because remember that song that I told you about before? Eli knows the song. He knows when the Lord is speaking. He told, or excuse me, he told Samuel to go and say the things that you need to say so the Lord can speak to you. Eli knows that Samuel has been spoken to by the Lord. And so he wakes up in the back of his mind. He's thinking, I wonder if it's the thing that I heard a while back that's going to happen to my family. Because before it was spoken to me by a prophet. But now I know that the Lord is speaking to Samuel. Samuel, my son. Again, Samuel responds, here I am. In verse 17, he says, what was it he said to you? You can kind of feel, I, I can feel the anxiety in that question. It's a very heavy question. Because in the back of his mind, he's thinking, is it the thing that I think it is? Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe, maybe I was able to turn around my life and turn around the life of my family, and now maybe he's going to go back on what he said before. Maybe this is going to be something really good. What is it that he said to you, Eli asks. But then you kind of see the switch flip here as well. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide it from me, anything he told you. And then Samuel eventually does tell him, but I can hear kind of this. He's not there yet, right? We're going to get to where he is there in a second, but I don't think Eli's there yet. I think he's in this rock bottom, as we would call it, right? this rock-bottom place where he's at the total bottom place where he could possibly be, and this is the place where I think he's truly going to hear and truly listen. When you talk about addiction, you talk about recovery, they talk about this rock-bottom moment to where they could not sink any further down than they possibly could ever in their life, never ever in their life have they been so far down. And then it's in that moment they actually listen to the people who they're surrounded by. It's in that moment they're actually able to have people say things, and they hear them for the first time. Right, because up until that point, in the mind of an addict, it's like, I can control whatever I can control. I've had plenty of addicts in my life, and nothing really ever breaks through until they're able to break through themselves and see what's going on around them. But in this moment where he's kind of not, he, he calls Samuel my son, but then he breathes out threats against him as well. Samuel my son, and then very quickly, may God deal with you ever so severely if you hide something from me. Such a complex mind here for Eli because Eli's story is so familiar because we do this to ourselves all the time. We write our own narratives all the time. I can take care of this. This thing is not controlling my life. I can actually quit whenever I want to quit. The further we get away from God, the further we are, or the closer we are really, to convincing ourselves of our own truths and our own stories. At one time, we heard the song of the Lord, that, that song that Eli knew at one time. But the further and further away we get, we, the more that we convince ourselves that we are just okay living our own lives separated from God, that song becomes fainter and fainter and fainter to the point where we don't know the words anymore. We might know the melody. We might know the chorus a little bit. We might be able to hum, hum along. But the further we get from God, the song is no longer really ringing in our ears, and it becomes our own song we're singing ourselves the song that that makes me out to be the hero of the story, the song that allows me to do whatever I want to do. But it's this rock bottom moment where we look around and we actually hear and we actually see what's going on is is when we're able to actually say stuff like this. I admit that I am powerless to blank. And I believe that's what happens with with Eli here, right? Right? Because we just had this kind of frantic... I'm I'm picturing Eli kind of frantic in this scene. But then he finally ends up here. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. It's this acceptance. right? Because I do believe that Eli still knows the song of God. It's that favorite song that he heard a long time ago. It's that song that when Eli came the third time, he says, I know that's the Lord and I know you need to listen. It's that song that kind of brings him to this place and says these exact words, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. Through it all, the song is still there, but his life is very different. I'm not trying to write fan fiction for for Eli here, but I can imagine earlier in his life, that guy was singing that song, and he was in communion with the Lord so, so much, That that's why he's able to identify it for Samuel. That's why he's able to, even though there's this kind of, you know, dooming, you know, prophecy against he and his family, he's still able to land here and say, he is the Lord. Let him do what is is good in his eyes. Because he still does know the song. It's still playing, even though he's gone far away, even though his family has kind of forced him to do things that he probably didn't think he could ever do. He still knows this to be true. And I think it's that that little bit is what was able to allow Samuel to continue to grow, to continue to know the Lord without actually knowing the Lord just yet. And we're going to see, as we just read, that the Lord is going to continue to appear at Shiloh, and there he's going to reveal himself to Samuel. Longer is there this middleman of Eli, this man who's been kind of leading him, he's going to appear directly to Samuel and do great things through Samuel. But I, I kind of get all the uh, like roundabout all this way because this is kind of where I want to land. Is how can we avoid this trap as Christians, right? How can we take this message, kind of this life arc of Eli, and avoid that as we live out our lives as Christians? Because no, we're not serving necessarily in the same way that Eli was in the house of the Lord. We don't have to do the whole sacrificing thing and lead our kids to do the similar jobs like that. But it's kind of more similar than, uh, than we want to believe, right? Because when we're living our lives as Christians, there, there are definitely decisions that we make and choices that, that we have to make along the way. And I think this trap, the more that we bury Eli, the more that we're actually going to bury ourselves because this is the same thing that we kind of fall into as well. So the first thing that I think we need to do is listen more. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. It's one of those things, right? It sounds simple, but it's not easy. When I read through this and I see uh, Samuel and I see Eli here, there's not a whole lot of listening maybe going on in Eli's life prior to this. But it's in the moment where Samuel is able to stop and listen to the Lord that things begin to change for him. And as I hear this and as I read through this, this, this chapter, I'm reminded of, uh, of this as well. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Then the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let the name of Samuel's, or let the, none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel is attested as prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And in all this became, like this this, this ge- geographically, in all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba, from top to bottom. All of this, right? The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, all of this. He revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Everything began not because of a great work that Samuel did. He wasn't out there defeating giants or slaying whatever, you know, uh, king or or country that, that were in the way all this began was because he started to listen, right it wasn't a physical act, it wasn't this crazy feat, it began because he decided to listen to God's word he stopped and he listened I'm reminded of this scripture reading for today in John chapter 10 I am the good shepherd I know my sheep and my sheep know me Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not in the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. There's this sense of deep, deep knowing that Jesus has for us. But the inverse of that is that the flock have to know the shepherd's voice as well. And so when I say, listen more, I take this example of Samuel, where again, he just begins all this great work by listening. And we kind of take the same example here from Christ saying, the sheep, or I know the, the voices of my sheep, but the sheep also need to know my voice. And my question is, do we actually deeply know the voice of Jesus? Is it this faint song that's playing in the background that when we hear it we light up? Is it something that we know close to our hearts? Is it something that we've at one point in our life knew? Because I think the trap that we're talking about is going further and further away from that song to the point where we don't recognize it anymore. We need to listen more. And I'm not just talking about listening to, listening to God more. I think this is a, just a human problem. We have an issue listening, right? The, the, first, the, the two greatest commands are what? To love God and to love others, right? Nod your heads if you're with me a little bit, Okay. Love God and to love others. And one of the best ways to learn how to love God more is to love people more because if we can't love the people that we see right in front of us, how are we going to love an invisible God? We practice loving God by loving each other. And I think the same thing is true about listening. We can practice listening to God by listening to each other. Because right now, we, we live in a, 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 a situation where Everybody has an opinion on everything, and everybody's an expert on everything. Isn't that crazy? And we listen a lot of times to the same people, the same echo chamber, and all of a sudden that echo chamber is law and truth, but we're not listening to anybody, ever, We're listening to whoever we want to listen to. And I think the problem is that sometimes when we listen to God, he's going to give us instructions, guide us in ways that we don't want to go. So how can we listen to God if we cannot even listen to our our brothers and sisters? I think it's almost impossible. So that's why I'm encouraging you. How do we not fall into the trap of living this life of Eli, this blindness, this inability to really pursue God's calling? The first thing that we have to do is listen more follow the example of Samuel. And the second thing is when in doubt, sing along. I know that some of you don't want to sing, ever. And that's okay. Uh, I've been to plenty uh, youth group things where I've had plenty of people in my youth group just refuse to sing and I'm not going to make anybody sing. Okay. And I know some of you probably despise singing here on Sunday mornings and you're saying, why do we even do that? I think there's a reason why we sing. I think it's one of those things where it's like, it, it, it almost touches a part of your soul that like you didn't know existed before that. Like that's the whole reason why we have like 150 psalms. There's a, there's, a, there's a reason why the people of God would sing these things because the more that you sing, the more that you're reminded of God's goodness in your life. Whenever I was, you know, in school, I would try to make up songs to remind me of things on my tests, Right. That's why I know all 50 states in order still. It's crazy. I don't want to sing it right now, but I could if I wanted to. The 50 nifty. And there's this connection that we have to song and to memory and to song and to life. I don't know, like, there's several songs right now that, like, um, I can list off that tell these stories. And these songs are three minutes, but the, the story, that the pictures they paint are just enormous, Right? And so when I think about Scripture, and when I think about the complexities of life and the complexities of what we're reading here today, sometimes it can get so overwhelming. It's like, you know what? I'm going to shut this and I'm going to leave this on the shelf for another part of my life because I just can't handle it right now. And if you're ever in that place, I don't want you to freak out. But I do want you to try to sing along. Right? And I'm not talking about just physical songs or like actual songs, but I'm talking about the rhythms and in, in, in the... And the things that God is calling you to do. I I reference this all the time in Psalm 73, where David is feeling like, or the psalmist there is feeling like the world around him, every corrupt individual seems to be thriving and every person of God seems to not be thriving. And David says, yet I return to the sanctuary of God. And even though everything around me doesn't make sense, even though everything seems to be falling apart, I'm going to return here because I know that I find respite in just being in the presence of God. And if you're saying, well, Jimmy, I don't find respite in that, I want to encourage you to keep trying to sing along. And if you don't find respite in that, my guess is that you've been trying to do it alone for a long time. Find a community, find people, and I feel like I say this every single Sunday, and you're probably tired of me saying this, but find a group of people that you can sing with. Not actually, if you don't want to sing, but you know what I mean, okay? Find a group of people that you can surround yourself with and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. Help me to not struggle. Or I'm struggling with this exact thing, or I'm struggling with this person, whatever it might be. Surround yourself with people who are going to help you sing along, to stay in the current, and to stay listening to what God is pouring into your life. Because I think, I truly see just in this arc of Eli that He knows the song, he just forgot how to sing it. And for a lot of Christians, that's the exact same story. I always tell my students as they graduate from the youth group, it's like, you're going to go into a place now where you're surrounded by a whole lot of people who are going to have a lot different viewpoints than you, and that's okay. It's going to make you doubt, it's going to make you struggle, it's going to make you question your faith, and that's okay. Because the more that you have those questions, the more that you have those conversations, I believe the more that you're going to be directed towards listening and towards the love of God in your life. Don't allow those moments to be mountains, right? Allow yourself to be encouraged by those things, but you cannot do it alone. You have to sing together. It sounds a whole lot better, and it works a whole lot more functionally when you do it that way. Listen to God and keep singing that song that the Lord has placed on your heart. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for giving us an opportunity to come together and worship this morning. Uh, God, I thank you for the, the story here of Eli and Samuel and kind of the, the the trajectory of Eli and just how things kind of went sideways for him, that he was blind and that I'm sure at one point he was just on fire for you and, 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 doing, your, and doing your will. God, help us to recognize that we are a lot like Eli, probably more than we're a lot like Samuel at times. Help us to take this word and to, and, and to improve our lives by, by listening more, God, to one another and be listening to you, but also to fall into that rhythm that you place in our lives. Help us to seek it out. Help us to seek community as we seek this rhythm. And just let me pray. Amen. If anybody has any needs, this is the time we offer up uh, to come forward and let the church pray over you. But If you don't want to come forward, that's okay, but talk to somebody today as we stand and we sing.